right. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. If you would, we're back in the book of the Revelation. We left off chapter number 16. Revelation chapter number 16. As we're getting in there and you're finding your place, I'm so thankful, especially what we'll be going through this morning and then again tonight in two parts because there's so much to talk about here. I'm thankful I'm forgiven. And I'm thankful that I've been washed in the blood, my sins have been forgiven, and I have a home in heaven, and thank the Lord, I and you and anyone else that's trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior will not have to endure the things that I'm going to talk about this morning and tonight. You say, well, why are we talking about it then? Well, we're talking about it because we may have neighbors, family members, associates, co-workers, we may have family members, spouses, sons, daughters, grandchildren, aunts and uncles, friends and acquaintances that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. There's still untold millions in the world that are still untold. And so we need to do everything we can do in this last hour, realizing that we see on the world stage today the things taking place in Iran and with the economy and all the things that are transpiring and what do we notice well the Pharisees and Sadducees won't know one day when when we know it is the end and he basically told them look at the sky how do you tell it's getting ready to rain well look up and because your redemption draweth nigh and so we're so thankful that in a moment in the twinkling of an eye no biblical prophecy needs to be fulfilled for the next event on God's prophetic calendar which is the rapture of the church. I'm ready to go. How about you? And we hear the trumpet, the voice of archangel, and we'll be out of here. And then during that time, those that are left behind, that have not been saved, will endure the tribulation period. I would not risk knowing what I know about the Bible. And you say, well, preacher, you may be wrong, but I wouldn't risk it. Is you being on the other side, you've had an opportunity on this side of the rapture to hear the gospel, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. And then the rapture takes place and then millions of people upon the face of the earth, perhaps a billion even, with the population today uh, being around 7 billion people in the world approximately, give or take a few, right? So uh, think, imagine a billion, is there a billion Christians out of 6 billion in, or 7 billion out of the world today? Probably so. I know we're in the minority, I'll tell you that. And then we're called out, and all of a sudden a billion people, if we could use that, million or one billion people are missing upon the face of the earth. And then you say, well, when that happens, then I'll believe. But the Bible says that the Antichrist will come, and the Bible says, not this preacher, God will send strong delusion that they, the people that's left during that time, they shall believe a lie. It will be the greatest lie ever told in all of mankind. It will be the lie, Satan, Superman, the Antichrist. They will believe on him. And during that time, you have one of two choices. You say, well, I make it that point. Let's say I have opportunity. Well, you're going to have to make a decision. At that point, when the Antichrist establishes himself, the abomination of desolation in the mid of the tribulation period, and he makes that pact with Israel for three and a half years. And of course he breaks it. He keeps it for that long because guess what? Satan is a liar. Amen. And the father of it. He's a liar. How do I know if Satan's lying? If he's telling me anything. How do I know if a politician's lying? About the same. 
Amen. Yeah, the mouse moving, right? But I can guarantee you Satan is lying if he's telling you anything. He's always lying because he's a liar and a father of it. He sets it up and you've got to make a decision. You make it to that point, which after you see all the sealed judgments and they're being executed in sequential order, one after the other, with the last of the sealed judgments, the seventh seal breaking open, which releases the seven trumpets, and then the seventh trumpet being open, which releases the seven vials that we'll be talking about this morning, you'll notice that as each seal and each trumpet is blown, we're, we're losing a third, a third of the earth's population with one judgment. Let's say you do make it to the point of Revelation chapter number 16. You're going to make, you're gonna have, you're gonna have two choices. You're going to have to pick a side. Hey, today you've got to pick a side. Are you with Christ or are you with the devil? You've got to make a decision. You've got to pick a side. You can't stay neutral. You can't wash your hands in neutrality and say, I'm not going to make a de decision either way. You have to make a decision. And the decision of what that uh, determines where we spend our destiny hinges upon what we do with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Just so you make it to that point. Well, you're going to have to make a decision then harder than you'd have to make today. And that is, number one, you can, you can be saved, okay, those left in tribulation period. I wouldn't risk that, like I said, if you have an opportunity here, because the way I look at it, if you won't believe now, what makes you think you're going to believe then? Okay, we'll see that in the, the chapter this morning. What makes you think you're going to believe then? Okay, you've got to make a decision. If those who do get saved, there would be multitudes of people, be 144,000 plus a innumerable multitude of people that will be saved during the tribulation period. In fact, one of the greatest revivals that you read in Scripture is concerning, is, it happens during the tribulation period. You say, how is that possible? Because in all human history, the earth has not been populated at the current level of 7 billion people that walk the face of the earth. The greatest revival in all human history is found in the book of the Revelation. And so you get, they're going to have to make a decision, though, because the Bible says in Matthew, Mount Olivet Discourse, the Lord Jesus said, He that endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. It's not saying you've got to work to be saved. It's saying you're going to have to endure because you're going to have to make a decision during the tribulation period. If you go with Christ, then you reject the beast, the mark of the beast, 666, on the right hand, I should say, in the forehead. You reject that. The Bible says they're bringing back the guillotine. And you will die martyr's death, I guarantee you that. Or, on the second, you take the mark of the beast, 666, in the right hand or in the forehead, and you have sealed your destiny in eternity in hell and later the lake of fire. Now that's just about as straightforward and as blunt and as biblical as you can get. But we're going to look at those uh, couple vials this morning. <clears throat> look at verse number one. And I heard, this is John, I heard a great voice out of the temple, saying to the seven angels, Go, they're being launched out, go your ways and pour out the vials, that would be bowls, the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. These will be the vile judgments. I cannot emphasize or express to you the intensity, the horror, the the judgment of God and the wrath of God being contained within these bold or vile judgments, let me give you something to compare it to to explain how awful it is. Where are we? We're midway in the tribulation period. The tribulation period's seven years divided in, if we cut it in half, we got three and a half segments. In the first segment, we've had already the seven seals that have been launched, a third of the people 
uh, have been extinguished upon the face of the earth under those judgments, uh, being in sequential order, not concurrent, but sequential, one, two, three, all right? Not alongside each other, not parallel, but we have one seal, and then, then, then the second, then the third, then the fourth, and the fifth. We get the seventh. That branches out, and we've had seven, seven trumpets during that first three and a half years. Now we're the last three and a half years. You see, we've seen how terrible, how awful the judgment of God in the first half of the tribulation period, but I'm going to tell you one thing as the, as the angel announced, woe, woe, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth for what's to come, which is the bold judgments. Now here's how awful they are. Over here we've got the first three and a half years, we've got seals and trumpets, but over here in the great tribulation, the Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble, when those vials start being issued, they're going to take us all the way until Christ comes back in the second advent. You thought it was awful over here. That was just tribulation. Hey, the, the Lord Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, talking about the Christian, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But thank God I may go through tribulation here and trials and circumstances and difficulties and anxieties and health problems and financial problems and mental problems and everything else, but I will not go through the tribulation period. Thank God for that because God's delivers from all wrath. I'm fired up today. Say amen right there. Karen, put on the sign, call the fire department. The preacher's on fire. Hey, man. Woo. All right. Let's go to the first file. Verse number two. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. You ever heard the term, which is a biblical term that was announced in Revelation uh, chapter number 14, and it is the term, the, gr the grapes, we've heard the term, the grapes of wrath. And I'm not talking about the novel either. All right, I'm talking about, that's a biblical term. It talks about the wine press of God's wrath, a wine press, pressing those grapes and those juices out, except it will not be grape juice. In fact, and I don't mean to be blunt or rude or crude or just to be biblical, but the term that is used here, it will not be grape juice, it will be blood. Blood poured out of the wrath of God and we're talking about the great day of God's wrath, the grapes of wrath. So the first judgment is the first vial that is poured out and this is a judgment upon men. Judgment upon men. This vial judgment reminds us of the sixth plague in Egypt. We remember you can't understand the book of the Revelation unless you understand the rest of the Bible. Some people just want to study the book of the Revelation. Well, you got to know Genesis, you got to know Exodus, you got to know about Moses and Egypt, and you got to know about the book of Daniel, you got to know about Zechariah and Micah and all these others that we don't hear a lot about. You have to know them because they talk about it. So this vial, it reminds us of a plague that you remember when when uh, Moses and Aaron went into Egypt to Pharaoh to say, let my people go, let my people go. And so Pharaoh would not let God's people go, and so we had these judgments. Eventually, his heart was hardened, and he allowed the people to go, and that's where we have the cross of the Red Sea and so forth. But Exodus 9, we'll read a couple verses. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. And the Lord said unto Moses and to Aaron, take 
to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon men and upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt and they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses sprinkled it up towards heaven and it became a bull breaking forth with blains upon men and upon beasts. Now listen, and the Bible says, and the magicians, the magicians, remember Egypt uh, land had their magicians. Moses threw down his rod, it became a serpent. The Egyptian magicians threw their rod down, it became a serpent. But I will tell you, they could duplicate a lot of things and counterfeit the things of God, but when it came to the blood, they couldn't duplicate that. They could duplicate all the, uh, some of the other miracles, but they couldn't duplicate the blood. Amen. It says here, the bull upon the Egyptians and upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord has spoken to Moses. So we see this has happened before. The argument that I'm trying to make here is you see that we see this is a futuristic event that has not yet transpired, this bold judgment. But those that believe the Bible, we believe the Bible, and we believe the historical account of Moses, it happened then. Let me say it again. It happened literally historically then, and it, it's not too far-fetched. It's going to happen in the future. These boils. Let's talk about those a little bit. Can you imagine a, we talked about, it's interesting how the choir song go along, went along with my sermon, and we didn't even talk about that, how we talked about Job and I. I was up here just a minute ago when I think about those bulls, I think about Job when God removed that hedge about him because guess what? Satan can't harm you and, and Satan can't bother you unless he goes to God and gets a hall pass to walk through your corridor your life. Do you hear what I said? The devil can't touch you without getting permission from God. He can't touch your health. He can't touch your wealth. But Satan had access to heaven and he will until We've seen a couple chapters ago when he loses that privilege and when he's going into heaven and so forth in the book of Job and he says, have, have thou not, God says, have thou not considered my servant Job, an upright man that sheweth evil and so forth. And he says, he's just serving you because uh, of naught. He's just serving you because you're good to him because he's blessed because he's, he's got a lot of money and lands and uh, children and you've blessed him and God removed that hedge and one of the things that we see Job is setting he's lost his sons he's lost his wealth his health he's got the bulls from the top of his head to the sole of his foot and he took old broken piece of pottery and scraped those bulls but uh, I'm telling you in the New Testament right here it says that these were noisome means troublesome means destructive bulls injurious uh, in fact it gives us the idea of grievous, which means to bring tools and annoyances, perils, it means to cause pain and trouble. So noisome means troublesome, destructive boils, but grievous to the point that they cause pain and trouble. The word sore there refers to basically a couple things to relate that of what that actually is. We, one of the words I could use, I could say it would be a ulcer. Okay, an ulcer on the outside of the body. An ulcer, a wound is another word, an open, uh, painful wound. Okay, And also another word that I could use that some other biblical commentators used is the word malignant, which would give us an idea of a tumor on the outside of a body. These things very, 
very painful. Painful, noisome, grievous sores will be upon men at that time and, and ladies and those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, the personal Savior. Now you say that seems pretty rough that the Lord would issue such a judgment. But listen, you're going to meet Jesus Christ in one of two ways. Number one, you can meet him as your Savior, the lowly lamb, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Hey, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house, by the way. You can believe him as the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd and uh, he's a good shepherd. You can meet him there as the lowly savior of the world. But the time will come when Jesus will no longer come back as savior. He's savior now. Call upon him now. <laughs> Call upon him now because if you don't meet him as savior, you'll one day meet him as your judge. And when he's coming back now, he's coming to execute judgment upon those who believe not the gospel nor the Lord Jesus Christ. Going back to these sores, give you an idea. You remember the comparison in Luke chapter number 16, the historical record of hell. We have Lazarus. He was poor. We have the rich man who fared sumptuously every day, had everything he wanted. Then you had Lazarus. It says, moreover, the dogs came and licked his what? Sores. That's the same word. Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. If you look ahead a little bit, when we get the, the uh, fifth vial, it says, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. This will be a judgment upon the, the beast and his headquarters. It says, And his kingdom was full of darkness, and they, listen, gnawed their tongues for pain. Verse 11. And they blaspheme, means to speak evil of, the God of heaven, because of their pains and their what, church? Sores, and repented not of their deeds. This gives the indication and suggests that even when the first vial has been issued, even after we have the sun scorching men, after we have the ocean, the seas uh, turn to blood, when the fountains of water and the inland waters and the creeks and rivers become blood and when the sun scorches men and then we have pitch darkness upon the seat of Satan and his headquarters, will men in that darkness gnaw their tongues in excruciating, agonizing pain in that darkness? This suggests these sores do not go away. By the time of the fifth vial, the people are still in pain from the first Next, I want to show you that before that these are these judgments that are being given, you've got to understand this, that God has given opportunities prior to this, these judgments time and time and time and time and time again. God is patient. God is merciful. God is kind. God gives a door of opportunity of repentance. But when we come to this point, these people are just, these judgments, instead of them calling upon God and asking Him to save them and be merciful and recognizing that they're God and rejecting the Antichrist, these will not cause men to repent. In fact, just like Pharaoh, those plagues, those judgments upon Pharaoh, the Bible says many times, you read it in the book of Exodus, it says these 
these, uh, that Pharaoh hardened his heart toward God. Let me tell you something. God's a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself on you. He will not make you get saved. He will not make you serve him, live for him. We have a free will. We have a choice. We're not robots. You can believe and receive, or you can doubt and go without, friend. Hey, it's your prerogative. It's your decision. And God's not going to force himself on you. But these people have rejected him, and what they will become as hardening judgments. They will fall further into their sin, their darkness, and the Bible says they will not repent of their deeds nor confess their sins or repent. Can you imagine just talking about this when it comes to constant pain? I know we have several people in our church that I can relate with that they live with constant chronic pain. Maybe somebody out there I know listening to this sermon, you deal with constant chronic means it's not going to go away, pain on a daily basis. A couple years ago when I developed some health problems, I don't talk a lot about this, but I thought about this. I was almost in tears last night sitting in my, reading this at my desk. And I don't share this whole lot, but I relate with those people because I'm not in excruciating pain all the time, but because of the medical condition I have, that's the reason I stay on the run all the time. Because if I slow down, the pain, I feel it. I recognize it more. You say, preacher, you stay on the move a lot. I'm telling you, it helps me. I keep my mind off of it. But if I slow down and sit down, I, I will concentrate on that pain, and I will tell you something. Those of you that deal with constant maybe back pain, Brother John, Brother Guy, different ones that deal with hip pain or knee pain or any time of uh, headaches or migraines or just a constant thing that you have to live with with the rest of your life, that does something to you. That affects a person's, as Worsby said in his commentary, a person's disposition so that he finds it difficult to, be, to get along with other people. Human relations will certainly be at the worst. I was at UVA a couple uh, weeks ago. I seen my endocrinologist. He put his hand on my shoulder. He said, are you still in that pain? I said, yes, I am. And he, his heart went out to me because they can't find out why. But you know what? I, you know what I told him? I said, hey, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to focus on that, and I'm going to serve God. Oh, Paul, he had a thorn in the flesh, didn't he? He had a thorn in the flesh. And I'm not telling you this. I don't need your sympathy. Uh, I'm just telling you that I relate with you, and, and uh, you know, you have to deal with that uh, pain and so forth, but nothing compared to here in the pain that people will endure during that time. Hey, they have already been warned in Revelation chapters uh, 14. Uh, let me tell you this, that the judgment... Is in this judgment is in the fit, the form of physical affliction of unusual severity, bringing widespread suffering. All right, remember this judgment will only be directed towards the bodies of those who stand with the beast. God will protect those as He always has those that believe on Him. Let's go to the second one. And the angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. It is a, this is a judgment upon the sea. It became as it will become, I should say, in the future, become as the blood, if you used to study that, it actually means the blood of a dead man. Which I think would be far worse than the blood of a living man, okay? 
which the life of the flesh is in the blood. If you don't have blood, you're not living, friend. That's both physical and spiritual. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Amen. All right, so judgment upon the sea. The second and third vials are parallel to the first plague in Egypt. And what I mean by that, number one, the second vial will center upon the sea. We have the seven seas. We have the Indian Ocean. We, you know, we have all these seas and so forth that they will be affected. Those upon the sea with the vial will center on the sea. The third will turn into inland waters. They're, they're coming in inland. Talking about, uh, talking about creeks, rivers, fountains of water will turn to blood. In Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 to 25, you remember the Nile River turned to blood. Hey, it happened before. God turned the Nile into blood. And let me tell you something else. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 2 turned the water into wine. And while I'm on it, it wasn't fermented wine. Don't use that as a justification for alcohol. The Bible says, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. He didn't tell you, let me tell you something. If you say, well, I might drink a little wine. How y'all doing out there? We, woo, we having fun this morning. He said, I drink a little wine. I drink a little, you know, here and there. But the Bible says that he turned the water into wine, which we, you study that out. People use that as a justification. That's not talking about fermented. And I'm going to tell you one thing. If the Lord Jesus comes by and he turns your water into wine, you drink all you want. But in the meantime, you leave it alone. Amen. Hey, man. Woo. Ain't we having fun this morning? I'm having a good time. Right? I love preaching. It's so fun. All right. Killing. It kills all the fish and making the water unfit to drink. The second trumpet, you remember backing up, that second trumpet had done what? In Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, one-third of the sea became blood. One-third. Under this judgment, but when we have this bold judgment, the second, the entire system of seas and oceans will be polluted. The earth dwellers have, listen, they've shed the blood of God's people through martyrdom down through the years, shed blood in foreign countries where they have put to death and beheaded those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who stand with the Bible, stand with Christ, stand with God. They've been beheaded, they've been tortured for the faith down through history. And now God says you, split, you have spilled their blood of those martyrs. And now in retribution, God will turn the ocean and the seas and the inland waters and rivers and lakes and creeks and fountains of water will God turn into blood as his divine retribution. And let me say, God is justified in his judgments. Let me tell you something. God sits in the heavenlies and he's sovereign. He's God of all the universe. He can do as he pleases. And he doesn't have to ask you or me. He's not up for vote. Hey, listen, he's not up for vote. He's not up for election. He doesn't have to ask the pastor of faith Baptist before he moves in the world. But I'll tell you, the Bible says in the Old Testament, shall not the God of all heaven do right? God is justified. People will say, well, I can't see God being... Uh, God's a God of love. But let me say on the second, the Bible says that there are seven things God hates. So God loves, but another attribute is God hates. And they've shed that blood in foreign countries, and now it is only right 
and justified. The earth dwellers have shed the blood of God's people, so it is only right that they should drink blood. The punishment fits the crime. Pharaoh tried. Listen to this. It, it is the law of divine retribution. In fact, we could call it the law of re retribution. Let me, let me give you some examples, and we're going to wind down. I want you to think about something. Pharaoh done what? Early on, he tried to drown the babies in the Nile. Remember? How'd he die? How'd his armies die? Drown in the Red Sea. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth that he shall reap. I can guarantee you it is just as plain and simple and straightforward. It is just like the law of gravity. If you tell me, you say, I don't like the law of gravity, I'll say, I don't care. Because there ain't nothing you can do about it. And I'll tell you, you say, I don't like the way God operates. It doesn't matter. He's God. And I'm telling you, if you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. It is just as real as the law of gravity or any other law upon the face of the earth. Drowned upon the, the sea. This means all fish, plant life, and the oceans would die, and the stench would alone be unbearable. All living sea creatures die, float to the top. The decaying bodies discharge an unbearable stench in exposing potential diseases. The adequate supply of water, fish industry shut down. John Phillips says the coast of California, I want to end with this, and elsewhere is a phenomenon known as the red tide. You've heard about the red tide. It occurs, killing millions of fish and poisoning those who eat contaminated shellfish. In 1949, if this has happened before, it's going to happen again. Listen, just a little introduction to this. In 1949, one of the red tides hit the coast of Florida. First, it turned the water yellow, but by midsummer, it was thick and vicious with countless billions of tiny one-celled organisms. Sixty miles of stinking fish fouled the beaches. Much marine life was wiped out. Eventually, bait used by fishermen died upon the hooks. Eventually, the red tide subsided, only to appear again the following year. Eating fish contaminated by the tide produced severe symptoms called by potent nerve poison that a few grams of which distributed a right could kill everyone in the world. That was 1949 an historical record upon the coast of Florida. But one of these days, God's going to turn that ocean, that's fountains of water into blood. Would you stand with me this morning? A time of invitation. We'll continue tonight with these vows. There's so much here, so much to learn, so much to mine out of these few verses, this chapter. 